Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play.
Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 131 is not only community member, but also blog contributor Jacob Geller. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, our pleasure. Uh, I did promise to regular listeners that I would uh, get back on uh, my list of people who'd put themselves forward to come on the show. And uh, well, it made perfect sense to ask you on, Jacob, as you do contribute uh, for nothing but the love of it to our blog, as well I as try. maintaining your own blog. And um, yeah, and also uh, due to busyness, forgetfulness and various other things, I was very slow in getting your last couple of pieces uh, up on uh, live on the site. So my apologies again for that. Not and, a problem. Uh, the, I basically uh, forgot what had happened in all of them. So I got to reread them with fresh eyes. Like, yeah. Oh, I did write that pretty well. Good job, yeah. me. <laughs> Good job, indeed. And uh, yes, at the time of listening to this, this show will be out uh, the first week of February, I believe. Uh, it'll just, yeah, it'll be out actually on the last day of January. And your two most recent blog pieces will be live. The most recent one of which is actually about the uh, game that we heard the opening piece from. So, uh, well, let's talk about your relationship with the game Virginia then. So what moved you to pick some music from it and what moved you to write about it? Well, so Virginia's is one of those good old walking simulators, you know, yeah. that we argue about the genre title of. Um, yeah. And uh, last year had a lot of walking simulators. I think Edith Finch got most of the attention yes. for good reason. Mm. Um, but I I really love Virginia. And it's um, one of the best things about it, I think, is the score, which is really, uh, really coordinated with kind of the timing of everything that you're doing in the game because right. it's such a kind of scripted series of events they can really you know narrow down the time that each of these parts of the track are going to come in um and this one specifically happens kind of at the end there are kind of two endings to this game and one of them is pretty much a cutscene and yeah. that's the that's the part that this song plays during aha uh -huh. And I think that the the song is really, because it's a cutscene, really coordinated to everything that's happening. Um, and I think the lack of control in that scene is actually representative of a lack of control like in the character's life. That's kind of what the piece that I wrote is about. I see. Um, yeah. But as a player, I got the impression from the piece, having edited it, that... Maybe I maybe I misunderstood, um, but I felt like you were saying that as a game, it was slightly, it felt slightly disappointing that you didn't have more agency in that other closing. Or did you feel that they? Uh, am I misunderstanding that because that's well, how I would have felt? I think that what I originally thought that this scene was going to happen, and then the game was just going to roll credits, yeah, and then and that would have been disappointing because. For the most part, you had been able to control everything, but it actually does, it kind of rewinds and shows you either, uh, a, you know, an alternate reality or just different possibilities for how the story ends. And that one is very player controlled. And oh, so right. I think that they're kind of making a point about this character has two very different paths that she could take. And here's one of them where she kind of relinquishes control of her life. And then there's this other one that's really kind of wacky and has like aliens in it and stuff. 
but that's the one that she's she has taken more control. She has more agency, and so do you as a player. I see. Well, this uh, it seems like the kind of game that uh, I'll probably end up uh, with and playing at some point. It's uh, it's out on four formats: PC, Mac, PS4, and Xbox One. Hopefully, it will yeah. come to PS I mean, Plus games with gold stuff like that. Over the on next. on the Humble Store the other day, I think it was literally ninety nine cents. Oh wow! So okay. It should. Yeah, I think I think probably more sales are in its future, and it takes you know an hour and a half to play through. Uh, so I would I would recommend it to pretty much everyone. Excellent. Well, if we ever cover it on the main show, perhaps we'll uh, invite you on to be part of the panel Ooh, there because yes, you've obviously uh, you've obviously thought about it deeply, um, yeah, and got a lot out of it. Good stuff. So, uh, as usual, we'll also be hearing from uh, the community, the rest of the community, and the requests that they've put in. We've got a big old list, and uh, it's high time we included some more of those. So, first up with no text uh, but it's a piece I like so from a genre I like from a developer I like so uh, I was happy to include it this is from at Lierthal I think on Twitter and it's from Dodonpachi Saidaioju which is Caves 2012 Arcade and 360 a vertically scrolling shoot 'em up of course and this is called Niji from Stage 2 <laughs> Oh, 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 
That was Manabu Namiki with Niji from uh, Dodonpachi, Saidai Uchu. Difficult one for me to say that. Uh, yeah, I like the Dodonpachi games. Uh, now I notice uh, Jacob, my guest, Jacob Geller here. Um, most of your selections are from recent times. I see from your uh, picture that I've seen of you on the internet, you're old enough to have a beard. So uh, I'm, I, I, I'm gonna. It's it's very tricky to age youngsters these days with with beards. But uh, I'm gonna put you in your mid to late twenties. Actually, uh, I was I was wondering if we were talking about going to talk about this. I think I might be the youngest person you've had on Canaan. Wow. I am twenty two. Oh. Um, so I've and I've kind of got into gaming, not late, but I didn't have like an older brother or someone who was playing right. it, and so yeah, most of these are pretty recent. Um, I see. I do want to say about this uh, Donan Patchy song, I. I have never really spent much time with shmups, but if I could like switch, flick a switch and just be great at them, <laughs> it would. I would be so happy because they are so impressive and chaotic to watch. I was I was watching a YouTube video of this one, and it's just just nonsense to my eyes. Mm, <laughs> but but yeah. being able to navigate that it seems like it would be a very fun skill to have. I feel the same way. Uh, I've been playing these, obviously. Uh, regular listeners will know I'm considerably older than 22. Uh, I grew up in the arcades of the 80s and uh, and therefore shoot 'em ups are kind of a big part of my world. And, and I love the fact that these developer, developers are still uh, making them, although this one's now from six years ago, but uh, the company still exists and, and Bullet Hell Games obviously are still a, a, a kind of niche concern. But I guess it must be... You know, obviously you're you're an intelligent guy, and I'm sure you know a certain amount of your your sort of gaming history. But it might it might seem odd to to you as a 22 year old to think that actually these these vertically scrolling shoot 'em ups were like one of the major genres back in the uh, back mm-hmm. in the 80s. Uh, different yeah, no, times, endlessly yeah. fascinating. Yeah, um, but yes, no, you can't just uh, pick them up and be good at them. Definitely not. <laughs> Uh, they tend to be, yeah, I mean, even the the basic sort of, yeah, the functional motor skills required are probably very different to any other kind of game that mm-hmm. that you might play today. Um, yeah, I mean, do you, do you enjoy any modern sort of Twitch-based stuff, arcade high score type games, even if not these sort of very niche, uh, particularly demanding ones? Or are you more about the kind of the, the interactive fiction kind of side of gaming? Well, I really, I really do love... Um I don't know if you'd call it character action or spectacle fighter or, you know, the kind of Devil May Cry Bayonetta type ones are are probably my favorite genre. And so those are uh, very visually different, but I think similar in it's all about learning patterns and kind of muscle memory and whatever. And so I feel like I I could get really into these if I just decided, you know, for six months, like this is what I'm going to play. Yeah, Um, maybe one day. Yeah, we Mikhail and I were talking about you know tracing uh, yeah Bayonetta and Devil May Cry back, and actually we did sort of work it back and think that they probably were they probably are based in the brawlers of the arcades of the eighties if you if you mm-hmm. trace them back far enough. So that does make sense. And uh, when we did our Bayonetta two podcast, I misheard Leah. Uh, she said uh, combo based, and I heard it as combo beast. So that's what I call them now. Yeah, co- combo. <laughs> I, th- I think both of those are accurate. <laughs> combo beast. Um, so and obviously you uh, you obviously like a cutscene as well, judging by your next selection. 
Uh, yeah, so this this goes in line with me being young. Um, Metal Gear Solid 4 was the first Metal Gear game I played yep. at all. Um, wow, which is that must have been really confusing. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I before before I even really started gaming, I loved, um, you know, I was reading Game Informer and all the websites and whatever. And so I saw this game come out and especially at the time it got just universal tens and i was like oh i've got to play this yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's the game that everyone's talking about yeah. um and i did and boy <laughs> i mean i think it's kind of like uh like a lot of anime especially you know if i started watching dragon ball z now or something where you can tell things are really emotional and meaningful by kind of how they're set up and yeah. with this track by the music and so even though i had very little idea of kind of the ramifications of what was happening yeah i knew that it was important and and so i think i still i mean i really enjoy the game i still get a lot out of it um but a lot of that i think is due to how powerful the kind of cinematography the acting and the music is this was kind of a baptism of fire when it comes to learning about Hideo Kojima. Did you then go back and play the older games, maybe on the HD collection, or did you follow it through with the with the sequel, or did, was it in and out like, I never want anything to do with this craziness ever again? I, I've had kind of a, a scattered a scattered education. I've played two, like Guns of the... No, what is two? Uh, it's uh, Sons of the Patriots. Sons of the Patriots. Um, and then I played five when it came out, and I've... Right watched you know enough to kind of absorb um i'll take since we're talking about metal gear solid 4 uh super bunny hop on youtube just made a very good critical close-up of it which yeah. kind of goes into what a uh, uh lovingly created train wreck the game is <laughs> um but i i have not ever sat down and just played through all of them which is something that i'd like to do at some point yeah, well, we did just that for your listening pleasure uh, on our other podcast a few years ago. Kane and Rince listeners, subscribe to that podcast if you don't already. We covered, uh, we got to Metal Gear Solid 4, I should say, in issue 49. And actually, what, what you saying there about coming to it at Metal Gear Solid 4, well, most of us came to it at Metal Gear Solid 1, which was, of course, already the third game in the series. And, mm -hmm. and I found that yeah. confusing enough because there was a lot of there's a lot, although it's sort of a remake in gameplay terms of, of its predecessor in, in some ways. There's a lot of reference back to things that have already happened in those uh, those 8-bit um, MSX2 games. So, yeah, uh, I can empathize. But I think, yeah, I mean, the, the all the, that had happened between then and then Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, that would I, I found it fairly bewildering. And I had recently played the, uh, the <laughs> right. So Yeah. So maybe I didn't miss out on that much. Maybe no, it's possibly just nonsense not. no matter what. Well, according to some, but then according to others, it's uh, it's it's godlike genius. Um, so, but you obviously came away with some affection for the the production values and and the score. So, uh, and yeah, you've chosen an this, emotional piece. Oh, I think I think this song is is one of the kind of great pieces of gaming score. I mean, it's so it is it is much like Metal Gear Solid Four, and that it's probably overly long and incredibly dramatic and uh it's in hebrew so i have very little idea what's actually being said mm -hmm. um but uh i i really like the song because i'm i'm jewish and went to 
lots of services when I was a kid that had singing in Hebrew and yeah. I didn't know what was happening, but uh, <laughs> there is there is kind of a raw emotionality in those prayers as well. And so the kind of sound of the language, all the, you know, chuz and whatnot, mm-hmm. strike a, a sort of chord in me just through through this history. And so hearing that in this song was, yeah, it's it's really it's really powerful. It's really raw and emotional and I appreciate it quite a bit. I don't think I've heard another track that sounds quite like it. Oh, 
That's Nobuko Toda with a vocal there in Hebrew by Jackie Presti. Uh, and I'm still reeling from the fact that Jacob, my guest Jacob Geller here, has told me that they, they don't teach Jewish kids Hebrew in schools. Uh, you just, you, <laughs> you, you're sent along to all the, all the ceremonies and, and festivals and you just, and so you, yeah, that's. that's yeah, all. no, I think unless you're, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say there, there are certainly Jews who know how to speak it as well. Yes, but yes. for a lot of us, you kind of learn to sound out the language. You learn right. like what the characters sound like, but not how they translate into words. And so you're just good at creating the noises that ostensibly mean something. I see. And this is boring and shallow of me even to mention it, but I got to say you were called Geller. You must have been growing up in the 2000s when friends was recently in everybody's memory was that was that a thing oh, at school for you friends friends yes uh also sarah michelle geller from buffy fame oh of course um, yeah and and neither of those things are that bad honestly to be True. associated with so yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was it was never a, a point of contention for me Although I have uh, I have read recently, people people are now discovering Friends for the first time on an endless loop or on Netflix, and uh, and Ross Geller does seem to be something of a he's written basically as a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you watch it again, but uh, yeah, uh, but I do still also uh, I tease my very own girlfriend about being a bit Monica-like when it comes to uh, uh, domestic uh, matters. Oh, I think it'll be a cultural touchstone for many years to come. Yes, yes, it was. It's hard to believe it started like twenty-four years ago now, and it's been over fourteen years, and yet uh, people still clamour for the um, for the for the, <laughs> for the get together and whatever else. Uh, I've almost feel I feel terrible for bringing up friends now, but it's obviously not a big <laughs> no, obviously not a, a big problem for you. You're uh, gonna lose going subscribers. <laughs> I came to yeah. this show to hear about video games. <laughs> That's true enough. Yeah. Uh, right. Back to video games then. This is a track from the probably underplayed compared to other games in the series. Soul Calibur V arrived on 360 and PS3 uh, when perhaps that series was waning a little bit in popularity and when those consoles were not that far away from being replaced by their next gen uh, siblings. So, uh, yeah, this is a lovely piece requested by Rob25X from the Cane and Rinse Forum, who simply says, great music from a great game and soundtrack. Enjoy. So we will. This is The Breeze at Dawn.
The Breeze at Dawn by Chris Velasco, and that has a vocal by Gillian Aversa from Project Souls, Soul Calibre 5. It's a series I love, going all the way back to the original Soul Edge or Soul Blade as we had it in Europe for some reason. They changed the name, still don't know. I always always think of Soul Calibre 5 as the one with Jedi. Because I think I think this is the one that you could play as like a Yoda and Darth Vader. And that stuff. was four, actually. Uh, yeah, oh that, no! It okay, was. well then, then I have no association with it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then who yeah. knows what Soul Calibur Five is? Yeah. Well, it, I they I'm pretty sure it did have some guest characters from other IPs, but uh, but I I'm I'm not really one for that. I mean, that whole thing started obviously with Soul Calibur Two, where they put a different. I don't you know again. This would be going back to venue when you were very young. But Soul Calibur Two, they put three different guest. characters characters in three oh, different no, versions one had one had link right that's right famously i think i played played that one at my friend's house yeah yeah so link in the nintendo gamecube one that made sense uh and uh yeah uh, that, there was a logic to that uh the playstation 2 version got heihachi mishima from namco's own fighting stable tekken so that made sense meanwhile over on the the bro box on xbox they got uh todd mcfarlane's spawn uh the uh the oh that's a system seller much maligned uh yeah um yeah so <laughs> not oh the okay I, I just looked up soul caliber 5 had uh Ezio from assassin's creed i was gonna say assassin's creed yeah yeah so uh so four had yoda vader and the apprentice from the force unleashed games um was Ezio on all was well, both versions i guess as it assassin's creed was multi yeah that would make sense yeah anyway soul caliber is coming back which I'm quite pleased about. Um, so uh, this will be the first new entry for six years by the time it comes out. And um, yeah, I do like me some uh, some sword fighting. Um, it's just, I just fear though it will be another uh, fighting game on my enormous pile of fighting games that I don't put enough time uh, into. Yeah, because if you, if you don't play a fighting game for 100 hours, have you really played it at all? Well, <laughs> indeed, yes. And yeah, I must have spent literally thousands of pounds over the years on fighting games that I didn't put 100 hours into. But uh, <laughs> hey, I had fun nonetheless. Uh, in video game music news, it's recently been announced that uh, Street Fighter V Arcade Edition, the original soundtrack, is coming out on February the 14th. Uh, that's in Japan, and it's going to have a massive 86 tracks across three CDs. Uh, I imagine you'll have to import that uh, if you're in America or Europe, but um, obviously one for Street Fighter fans. Although happily, I'm pleased to report that Street Fighter V Arcade Edition does have a comprehensive music player built into the game, which uh, is always appreciated. Now, uh, your next selection, Jacob, is uh, from a game which uh, was given away on PlayStation Plus when it was new, which is uh, always quite cool, I think. Um, Some people I know gave it a go. Some people found it very challenging, perhaps too much. Um, But a a lot of people came away uh, appreciating the music. We have featured at least one track from it before. Um, Tell us about your, your relationship with Fury. Yeah, well, I think I think that one track might have been requested by me on the forums Aha. because I love this game. I think it is so good. Um, it also it it recently uh, came out on the Switch, so that makes this timely, which right. I did not intend. But you know, why not? Yeah, good <laughs> it job. works well. Um, yeah, I think it, it has kind of a similar musical style to something like Hotline Miami. You know, mm-hmm. the like really hard driving synths and stuff. But I think the Fury might do it 
even better and just it is it is incredibly difficult i mean i was playing um for anyone who's enjoyed it uh the harder difficulty the furier which it unlocks when you beat the main game is basically a whole different game i mean the 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 bosses have entirely new move sets and everything and and the last boss especially which is what this track is from is just i mean we were talking about bullet hell earlier Mm -hmm. this is a bullet hell boss this is it really kind of abandons some of the other parts of the game and you are just just shooting and avoiding um but because this track is so good it makes it pretty much you know i didn't mind beating my head against it for three days while i just died over and over again
So that was 802, I guess, or 8.02? Yes, this is, this is part of a larger... There are kind of four tracks that basically play in a row that's like before the final boss, during the final boss, after, and credits or something. Gotcha. Um, and so this is the one that plays during. Um, and I thought, I mean, all of I could pick any of the tracks from this game. Uh, but I thought this one was was kind of fun and has a nice kind of story to it as the boss goes through. All the bosses in the game have different stages, and this one you can kind of hear all those stages. Mm. Yeah, and uh, there was me earlier asking whether you like games which are more, uh, you know, Twitch-based or, or whatever. And, and th- you know, definitely if you can play Fury through to the to the new game plus or whatever it is uh you've definitely got the makings of somebody who can handle a bullet hell shooter from I'll from try. the little from the little uh, that i've played um yeah so tell us a little bit about your blog and the stuff you've written for us so your blog is called 13th colossus uh, obviously uh, re- uh, referring to our, f- our friend of the show i think we can call him now ueda san because uh, jay has Ooh-hoo. literally hung out with him um is that I've... true i didn't know that oh well you should follow us on instagram my friend uh we uh, yes, it's it's a long story which uh, we told recently. Listen out for the podcast all about Res that's coming out. Um, Jay gets to uh, name drop in major style. Uh, it goes back to it goes back to the fact that he's married to uh, Kai Fukami Taylor, who was a member of the Go Team when they were touring the world, and they also mm. had a they had a licensed track. Um, and uh, so they made various friends in the games industry. It was a licensed track in Luminez 2 and uh, and one on um, uh, Little Big Planet as well. So uh, they made some quite good connections. And Kai's just, you know, very friendly and outgoing and Japanese. So she's made friends with um, Tetsuya Mitsuguchi and Ueda. And Fer- oh, this is, uh, this and is too much name dropping for me. The Go Team is like one of my favorite bands. Well, there you go. Yeah. Ueda, obviously. Um yeah, so I just, I kind of decided at the beginning of last year that I just, I, you know, I appreciated games writing enough that I just kind of wanted to start doing it and see, you know, get get better at it as I just wrote more and kind of get my thoughts down on paper and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I did, um, you know, I think that kind of analyzing games in the same way that you would do so with great literature or movies or anything is is a pretty underdeveloped field for Mm. how massive the game's entertainment industry is um and so uh it just you know i i really liked doing that with movies and books and other kinds of art um and i feel like i know games better than yeah any of those other mediums Mm. uh so yeah i just i just wanted to start uh shadow of the colossus is kind of the the game that got me into games as art um i also i want to point out i have i have a shadow of the colossus tattoo i have a dog named toriel from undertale and i did not pick tracks from either of those games even (laughs) though they both have incredible soundtracks yes yes i'm trying to bring something new we played a lot of those tracks it's very oh almost all of them yeah even (laughs) if i wanted to that's amazing stuff. Uh, yes, and, and and indeed, one of the pieces you wrote for us was around uh, the fantastical grounded worlds of Fumito Ueda. Yeah, and he he retweeted that one, which yes. had me riding high for quite a long time. Um, yes. that was I was very excited to think that he would have seen that. I mean, I I think I've already got the uh, the remake 
of Colossus pre-ordered and everything. I just can't wait. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, um, I mean, I know there are... um, the, uh, there are certainly reservations that I've seen, including mm. from members of the Kane and Rents team. Josh, about... yes, you can say uh, <laughs> it. Uh, yes, he, he's he's really concerned about the art, particularly. I think. Yeah, and that's I totally understand. I mean, as someone who fell in love with the original yeah. game, but I think since we have kind of the quote unquote perfect version of that one with the PS3 upres remaster. You know, I can play that if I want the original experience, original animations exactly. and whatnot. And yeah. if not, then then this one is gobsmackingly beautiful. So mm. I really, I can't wait. Yeah, and now Jay is hugely excited because it has a photo mode, which he loves. Oh, uh, yes. And uh, he, he can shoot off yeah, reels and reels of, of digital film uh, on mm-hmm. that so yeah it will be interesting to see like I, I was actually t- I was talking to, to Jay about this today because uh, he's he's very excited about it obviously he is also a, a, a big fan of, of Shadow of the Colossus and Ueda's works and he's met the man and he's got him to sign stuff and he's talked to him about his his games and he, we were speculating that if if Ueda was like just had his name on this project more would the fans be more readily accepting of it um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big fan of Blue Point's work on other things, including the Metal Gear Solid and and Eco and Shadow of the Colossus collections. But obviously, this is a slightly different thing in that they're not just right. they're not just uh, repurposing it for more modern hardware. They're actually rebuilding it. And of course, I've seen. I was I was sort of, I was talk- talking to Josh about this on our Slack channel the other day. He was saying about his concerns about the art and he was saying, oh, I know some of you think I'm being ridiculous. And I said, I don't think it's ridiculous. I've seen so many games from my you know that i'm dearly in love with from my childhood been been horrifically mistreated by mm-hmm. modern versions i'm you know and i'm not talking about things as recent as 2005 i'm talking about games from the 80s where they've thought i know we'll we'll do the sprites up because that will look much better right. and then they've and then they've basically ruined them so oh, I'm yeah, no, i've seen those i completely understand where he's coming from but i think from my point of view, as as a as someone he who likes and appreciates, but isn't a major major fan of the original Shadow of the Colossus, uh, I'm looking forward to a game that maybe isn't quite so frustrating to play. Maybe, boy, I yeah, I'll tell you, I started playing the, the you know the original just the other day because oh, wow. why not? And I consider it one of my favorite games, and. For one of my favorite games, I am shockingly bad. Like, even even tricky, trying to it? do that first kind of like get the first Colossus to crouch down and then jump up on the leg, it is it is very janky. And I appreciate you know all the incredible physics and technology that went into making it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure if you were doing it in real life, it would also be hard to make that jump. <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll change change kind of the smoothness of the controls or not, but it's uh, it has aged, um, and even the Last Guardian, which you know just came out a couple of years ago, still has quite a bit of that jank. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Even its biggest fans have pretty much uh, pretty much agree on that. Mm-hmm. All right, track six for this sound of play, 131. Can you believe it? It's 2018, and uh, just as I was putting this one into the show notes uh, for the for this uh, sound of play I'm just going through our, our big list of requests by sheer coincidence uh, it came up a new story that uh, the creator of the game downwell had joined nintendo mm. so uh ojiro moppin fumoto 
uh, who's best known for the uh, for the game Downwell, which started as a mobile title and has since come over to other formats. It's a sort of roguelike where you go down a well in black and white mainly, uh, with some other uh, actually some fairly significant splashes of red. Uh, and it's a really cool game. And yeah, he's been he's been. Um, Taken on by the Kyoto Giants. That's interesting stuff. Uh, they really do seem to be uh, looking out more than they have done in the past, Nintendo. Um, yeah, um, and I'm. I mean, I've played Downwell for uh, far too long, oh, based great. on the fact that each round is only about you know a minute and a half. Um, it seems when I look at my total time played, it seems impossible that it would have been <laughs> that many rounds. Um, but yeah, if Nintendo's got him doing stuff for them, that that only seems like good news. What could it be? So yeah, it's requested a track uh, here for, from Ben Blaster from the forum, who says, Down Well is not a very big game, nor all that extravagant, even when compared to other indie titles, but it provides a hectic and intense adrenaline rush as you plummet toward the bottom of the well in short to longer stints, depending on just how good at the game you are. And the soundtrack that accompanies the ever-descending levels of Downwell does a lot to change the atmosphere and the intensity, making it seem all that more frantic. One of my favourite tracks from the game is the first track you encounter called Urobo, and has a nice sense of exploration and venturing into the unknown.
is Ouroboros from Downwell by Eirik Schurka. Uh, created The game created by Moppin, who, as we heard, is now uh, signed up with Nintendo. You can play Downwell. It's a cool game on your mobile devices or your computer or your PS4 or your Vita. I think it's probably even cross-buy. So uh, why not check it out? It's, uh, it's a very cheap game normally, Downwell. Good value for money. Now, I'm really pleased about this next selection. So we have a thing <laughs> where we uh, we generally don't play just straight licensed tunes on, on Sound of Play, and, and, and this one still comes in under that bar. I actually wrote about this uh, back in September 2014. I, I did a little, uh, I used to do a column called Music Monday. Uh, it sort of got replaced by this podcast, really. Um, but it was all about the tracks that, these people who we don't really know had put together um, sort of uh, sort of spoofs or, or or mock versions. What would what would pop music have sound like had the Nazis won the Second World War? So you've got so you've got versions of the Kinks, the Beach Boys, the Monkeys, and the Beatles, who are now called Die Käfer, uh, which means the Beatles. And and then there's this one which you've selected, uh, which is. Uh, obviously a tribute to John Lee Hooker, but it being a Nazi version has got all the sort of all the black taken out of it really is the oh I think yeah I think this is that's that's exactly what I find interesting about this song is that it's so uh like I'll say superficially I think it's really fun you know when I listen to it I kind of bop my head and whatever but musically it's so boring you know (laughs) it's so it's so just kind of vanilla where it's like there's none of the kind of like interesting choices or mood or tone that's in the original yeah um and it's it's a nice statement on you know nazis aren't just bad because of the genocide and all that stuff they're also bad because they just turn art into trash and i think (laughs) i think that's a really good this is a really good kind of like show don't tell of of that idea Schieß dich einfach ab, leg dich einfach flach, nimm dich mit zu mir, stell dich in mein Haus. Boom, 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 boom. Ich mag das, oh ja, sprich zu mir, beweg dich her.
Worte zu mir spricht, ganz leise in mein Ohr, mir sagt, dass sie mich liebt. Ich liebe es so sehr, wenn du so sprichst, haust du mich um, aus den Schuhen heraus. Yeah, so that is credited to one Ralph Becker. We don't really know whether it was Mick Gordon and the, uh, you know, the who put together most of that incredible soundtrack, uh, you know, the actual in-game music for Wolfenstein The New Order, which uh, which is a really, you know, it's a strong guitar-based piece. But all these tunes, I, I'm sure they must have involved session musicians, and I don't know if they... They uh, they involved extra writers or whatever. There's scant information out there. I'd be fascinated to know. I'd love to get Mick Gordon on the show as one of the composers that we uh, we feature as guests. Um, so maybe maybe then we can find out all about it. But uh, oh, I think it would be hysterical if he was the one who recorded this himself. If he, yeah. if he as well it as his right, but hardcore metal was just very talented at singing in German. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess they've just kept it under the radar to kind of keep the the sort of the the subterfuge and the and the image that these are real, these are real artists. Um, yeah, uh, it's anyway. Uh, check it out. the The soundtrack they're, they're all on YouTube uh, or Google Music Monday Wolfenstein: The New Order and read what I wrote about it if you want. A little self promotion there for something I did years ago. Uh, yeah. And that can be played, of course, on multiple formats still and often very, very cheaply, which is uh, which is always nice. So uh, I couldn't let a Sound of Play podcast go by without playing something from a little bit more in the past. Uh, yeah, of course. Delve back to the early 90s, the game, I, uh, a game that I have a lot of nostalgia for. This was Rocket Knight Adventures. Uh, it was by uh, Konami for the Mega Drive. And uh, I believe that some of the people who worked on Rocket Knight Adventures were some of the key people who went off to form the amazing mega studio treasure who are still going and creating weird curios rocket knight adventures starred an opossum with a jetpack because it was the 90s and uh, and that's what you did but rather than being a you know one of those sort of terribly naff me too platformer mascot characters he was cool because he was by konami and he was you know he was like funny and neat and so i was i was with him all the way and uh, rocket knight adventures was a bit of a technical tour de force on the mega drive had some really clever effects and uh, yeah and a cool soundtrack and uh, this one was actually requested by the green flea this is uh, who says playing this game for the first time in my 31st year this song really resonates with me you fly over the ocean from one part of the stage to the other as part of a mid-stage break and this song is so upbeat that you almost feel as you're flying too the exact image in my head is leaving the dock on one, a large boat powered only by sails, being in the crow's nest as you depart, picking up speed and seeing nothing but the ocean's waves tossing across one another. It puts me in a grand mood, making me feel positive and hopeful about all things. Thank you. 
I now feel positive and hopeful about all things too. Green flea. <laughs> I like that one. It reminds me a lot of, um, uh, I think just a couple of weeks ago, Josh had a uh, some sort of sky theme from Shovel Knight. I can't remember the That's exact right. name yes, of the track, correct. but it's many, many years apart, but the kind of sky themed chiptuned sounding music yeah. has really it, it has a very consistent tone and i think it's it's a really you know fun and moving one yeah 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 real atmosphere to it uh, that's from uh, stage one act two and it's called across the sea composers we like to try to credit them but on games of this uh, age in and this nationality it's often very hard but a number of composers worked on the game masanori ochi akihata michiru yamane masanori adachi hiroshi kobayashi and akira yamoka uh who yes who actually came up with that who knows but uh but we like it nonetheless so jacob as a young man as we've established uh, my guest here, Jacob Geller, uh, community member and uh, blog contributor for Kane and Ritz. Um, do you feel like going back to the 8 and 16-bit eras to play stuff is something you want to do? Are you happy to just watch playthroughs or is it on a case-by-case basis? I I certainly have with kind of the classics you know one of this is this is gonna make so many people feel old so i'm sorry my first console was the wii um and (laughs) uh and with that they had the virtual console so i was you know happily able to play super metroid and and mario bros 2 and all of the kind of like you know the underlined classics the one that you must play if you want to be a quote-unquote real gamer um and you know i i do i do really want to go back and play more of these but also as i'm sure you know just living in the world we do today there is always something new and incredible that it seems like you could be playing and so it's hard to make that time to you know go back and play something that uh maybe had some really idea good ideas and then has been iterated upon for two decades so Um, true very true you know but um but i i certainly appreciate all the history and i love kind of reading or watching people's experiences with them with that kind of lens of nostalgia because that's the one thing that i can't really get from replaying them is understanding how it felt you know playing it for the first time when it was the cutting edge mm it's really interesting, actually. Uh, obviously, like the way you look at and think about games makes makes you a sort of natural bedfellow with what we do at Cana Rinse. But obviously, and and obviously on the other podcast, we always stress very much context, and uh, and we also try to sort of understand. Um, we uh, e- even if we haven't got somebody on that particular panel who who played an older game more recently, we we try to think about what you know what the the barriers might be to somebody attempting to play mm-hmm. these games now but I, I, from my point of view um i don't write as much as i probably should and 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 whatever else but when i do write about games i do tend to um i probably over rely on referring to older games which um which is good if you know those games but i think one of the is it's actually really important you know i used to be quite snobby about people writing about games and not knowing their history because i really know mine but actually um you know i enjoy reading your pieces partly because you you're coming with this you know this very different perspective somebody who's grown up 
with the we, you know, and right. uh, and and it, and you know, it's just as valuable in the same way as you know. I, I, I don't think every, you know, every every literature critic has to have read every book. You know, it's it's not necessarily about that. It, ultimately, it comes down to your personal experiences of a yeah and a, a piece of entertainment or art or whatever it is in that case right you, and at the yeah. same time i'm sure that uh you know i'm building my own base of classics and so yes 20 30 years from now they'll be like oh he has to bring everything back to i don't know dark souls or you know uh dear esther or something and in just the same way is that you yeah. kind of have you have your base and everything is building upon that but yeah you know you still you still kind of return to what you feel like was uh, your formative experiences yeah no doubt and i and i hope you are doing that and i hope yeah you know whether it's your son or a friend in uh, in 25 years time is talking about how they grew up with the playstation 7 or whatever and uh <laughs> Dark Souls Nine or whatever it may be. Um, oh, isn't that just supposed to be an orb at that point? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's just a little thing that's implanted in your in your forehead. Uh, yes, no physical media, online all the time, and uh, <laughs> no game sharing. Uh, yeah, remember, listeners, please venture over to our forum. If you don't already, it's a really fun, friendly, busy community at canorince.com slash forum. I know forum to some seems like something from the old days in, in the world of social media, but actually it's uh, it's some, somewhat more of a safer space and a space where you can have actual uh, long form conversations and uh, with intelligent, like minded and uh, friendly and respectful people. So uh, do consider that it's probably one of the busiest gaming forums around, I would think, in the UK, at least anyway. Now, you can also follow us on Twitter and get into the usual uh, 280 character uh, arguments on there. <laughs> we we don't do so much of the arguing, but uh, at Kana Rince, use the hashtag sound of play if you want to make a request. We also have a Facebook page, which is really where we do our news stuff. We also obviously promote the podcasts and blog articles facebook.com slash canarince as if you didn't know uh and please do continue to fire in those requests to us because we will continue in regular shows such as this one to include a selection of uh, of your picks from the you know, the magical history of video games music to intersperse throughout the show please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already via whatever uh, platform or outlet you use leave us an itunes review or rating or whatever else uh, and if you really love what we do and you appreciate all the time and effort we put into it, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Rinse. Oh, and as of now, we also have a PayPal donate button on our homepage for those who don't want to uh, get entangled with Patreon and monthly subscriptions and that sort of thing. Uh, we appreciate anything uh, you put our way. Uh, so before we hear about your last pick, uh, I want to thank Jacob Geller for joining me. Thank you. Oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Um, I wanna, I wanna take just a second to say, uh, when I was in college or uni or whatever, um, I was on the college radio station there, and I had a show called Critical Hits, which was hey. just wholeheartedly plagiarizing Sound of Play, um, where we would play video game music and talk about them. And so it is, it is so thrilling to be to be on this thing that I had just, you know, copied earlier because I was such a fan. So it's, yeah, it's really great to be on. <laughs> well, you're very welcome. And uh, as I say, if we cover one of the games you've written about, we'll try to get you on uh, on the other show too. And you can, uh, you can get uh, deep divey on, uh, on one of those games. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> 
so this last track is from a composer who I learned recently is very local to me. She lives in the same town, uh, Jessica Curry. Um, she resides in Brighton and she goes to the same football matches as I do. And I was very pleased about that. And I used that as a jumping off point to message her on Twitter. Sadly, I couldn't persuade her to come on this show. She very, very politely declined. Um uh-huh. But you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll try again someday. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's uh, she's obviously a bit of a legend. So, uh, and this is a pick from, I guess, I would say one of her lesser played soundtracks. Yeah, I wanted to. I mean, I think as as I think everyone who's played any of the Chinese room games knows, she's she is just incredible. I think that she can kind of change the feeling of an entire game, or or kind of create it um mm. and this is this is also a little sneak preview i have i have written a thing on her and dear esther and the soundtrack which may be coming to a canaan Rance blog post sure. near you we'll see um but yeah a machine for pigs is a weird game amnesia um because it's it's kind of a a walking simulator trying to be a horror game or mm. a horror game trying to be mm. a walking simulator you can really feel kind of the conflict between the two and as such it's just in a very weird genre space where it's not really that scary but you do have to do things like hide or run away from a monster or kind of solve puzzles in that amnesia way Mm. Um, that being said this track is gorgeous and and is so uh so kind of evocative of the the central character's conflict which i won't spoil if you want to play the game but there's a lot there's a lot going on inside the guy that you're playing um and this plays at the end of the game and feels like such kind of a a capstone on the story that has been going on so uh yeah i think i think this is you know, maybe maybe an indie track for Jessica Curry, but just as good as some of the stuff in Esther or Rapture. All right. Uh, should just give out your, uh, if you want, your social media and blog oh, address that's before right. we go? Um, yeah, so you can come talk to me on Twitter. I'm at JacobG42, which is like Jacob, but with a Y. Um, you can also probably just find me interacting with the Kane and Rinse Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Go go on Kane and Rents. I'm in their recent features. Uh, I think I have I have like an author page now, so you can see everything that I've yep. written, and that links to my blog if you want to read more. Um, but really, I'd be happy if you just read the Kane and Rents stuff because I think that's probably <laughs> representative of the best of my work. Us too. Them hits, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, thanks again for joining me, Jacob, and I'll leave you with. Jessica Curry and Mandus from Amnesia, A Machine for Pigs. And see you next time on Sound of Play. (laughs) 